In 2011, a man decided to take a journey back to his childhood home. What he found inside would haunt him for the rest of his life. Stick around to find out what he found and the terrifying events that followed. Today on the Truly Terrifying Show, we have one of the scariest and most disturbing stories I've been able to find on the entire internet. This story contains sensitive material, so listener discretion is advised. When Michael's younger brother Jonathan was born, their family decided to move out of the small apartment and buy a house for the kids to grow up in. As a seven-year-old kid, Michael couldn't believe how much space he now had to run around and play his favorite games like hide-and-go-seek and monster trucks. Michael loved his new room and most of the house, but, like most kids, he was scared of the basement. You see, unlike the rest of the house, which was bright and nicely decorated, the basement was cold, metallic, and sterile. The ceiling was covered in pipes, and the cement floor was cracked. The first time Michael went down there, he recalls that the stairs were surrounded by drywall, which clashed with the rest of the basement and made it stand out. It made the entire area look as if it didn't belong. One particular section of the wall had a splotchy brown discoloration to it, making it stand out like a sore thumb. And for some reason, if you knocked on that section, a hollow sound would echo across the empty air of the basement. After a couple of weeks, the family began to settle into their new home. This was when Michael first heard it. He had always had trouble sleeping and would frequently wake up throughout the night. During a particularly difficult night, Michael decided to walk down to the kitchen for a snack. On his way down the stairs, he noticed a faint noise. Initially, it sounded like the tick of a clock, but as he got closer to the kitchen, it became deeper and more hollow. It reminded Michael of the sound that the drywall made in the basement. He tried to pinpoint where the sound was coming from, but when he noticed it was coming from the basement door, he ran straight back up to his bed and buried himself in his blankets. The following morning, Michael told his parents about the noise, but they were more concerned about him being out of bed in the night. They promised him that it was just a rodent somewhere in the walls, but if he should hear it again, he should tell them right away so that they can get rid of it. Throughout the days that followed, Michael would lay in bed, straining his ears during the night trying to hear the sound again, but there was nothing. A week after he first heard it, Michael was walking back from the bathroom late in the night when he heard the faint knocking sound. It was coming deep from within the house. Remembering what his parents had told him, Michael decided to try and find where the sound was coming from. He followed it down the stairs through the living room, and past the kitchen until he came to the hallway which led to the basement. Michael's heart pounded as he slowly made his way towards the door. The sound got louder as he got closer. He reached for the doorknob and gently pulled the door open, which sent a loud creak echoing down the staircase. Suddenly, the knocking stopped. Michael waited in the silence.
This time it was way louder. He sprinted up the stairs to his parents' room frantically. All the commotion had woken them up, but they were just annoyed he was out of bed and running around the house. They insisted that they would check out the sound in the morning and that Michael should just go back to bed. But Michael didn't sleep at all that night. As he lay in his bed, he swore he could still hear the faint knocking coming from downstairs. As soon as his parents woke up in the morning, Michael brought them downstairs to investigate the noise, only to realize that the basement door had been closed, even though he was sure he had left it open. Unsurprisingly, his parents found nothing. About a month after the move, Michael's mom asked him to run downstairs and grab his jacket out of the dryer. It was the middle of the day, so he reluctantly agreed. Michael turned on the lights and ran down the stairs, hearing his footsteps echo off the walls. After grabbing his jacket out of the dryer and shutting the door, he turned to walk back up the stairs. That's when he heard something. At first, he thought it was his mom's voice coming from upstairs, but it sounded much softer, like a whisper. He stood there trying to make out the words and could tell it was coming from underneath the stairs. The whispering only lasted for a few seconds, so Michael cautiously made his way back towards the steps, and the second his foot hit the first stair, there was a loud bang which shook them, almost knocking them to the ground. He ran up the steps as fast as he possibly could to meet his mother, who had heard the sound. Even though she experienced it firsthand this time, she couldn't find any sign of an intruder, and she quickly moved on. The next couple months were seemingly normal, with the whole family silently avoiding the basement. Even Michael had started to feel comfortable in the house. He recalls carrying his brother Jonathan around the living room and making airplane noises as he giggled away. On July 2nd, 1991, around five months after moving into the house, Michael awoke to shouting. During the previous night, somebody had snuck into the house and taken Jonathan out of his crib. In the baby's place was a ransom note demanding $20,000 in return for the child's life. Additionally, the note indicated that should the police be called, Jonathan would be killed. Michael's parents argued over whether or not they should call the police, but they ultimately decided that they should. The police set up wiretaps on their phones and organized an undercover team to wait at the drop zone. Despite their efforts and the family making good on the $20,000 requirement, the kidnapper never showed, and Jonathan was never returned to the family. Needless to say, this tore the family apart. As the weeks passed and there was no news about Jonathan, Michael's parents grew bitter. They blamed themselves for getting the police involved, believing that that was the reason Jonathan was not returned. 
As a seven-year-old kid, Michael still believed Jonathan would return, but as the hope died with every passing day, so did Michael's childhood. The grief was just too much to share between the parents, which led to a divorce and they moved back into an apartment. Soon after that, Michael's mother ended her life. Fifteen years later, his father passed away from alcoholism, a trait that Michael would soon inherit. Even twenty years after the disappearance, Michael still tried to avoid the thought of Jonathan to avoid the pain. Despite this, he suffered from severe depression. Michael's therapist suggested that he should return to his childhood home to come to terms with his brother's disappearance and to face his fear. Deciding enough is enough, Michael returned home. Michael arrived at the house drunk and depressed. He walked towards the front door, which had been boarded up years earlier. Nobody had wanted to live there after Jonathan's disappearance. They believed it was cursed. After entering the front door, Michael stared longingly at the living room, recalling the vivid memories of carrying his brother through the halls. He felt relieved, as if the negative memories had now been replaced by this one positive one. Relieved by this newfound closure, Michael decided to make his way to the basement, eager to face another fear of his. The steps made a familiar hollow thumping sound. Michael didn't realize still haunted his memories. At the bottom of the stairs, he knocked his fist on the discolored panel of drywall. The hollow knocking sound made his skin crawl. With a sudden surge of adrenaline, Michael threw his body into the drywall. As he expected, the drywall broke. Instead of the sturdy foundation he had expected behind it, Michael fell into complete darkness. He reached into his pocket, grabbed his flashlight, and clicked it on. What had been confusion was now replaced by pure terror. He stood in a small room, just big enough to fit a person. The walls were covered in messy drawings and writing, which he couldn't make out. He stood there in complete shock, not sure what to make of what he was seeing. That's when something caught his eye in the corner of the room. To his horror, a small human skeleton lay messily in the corner. Looking more closely, there were small indentations all over the bones the type of indentations made only by human teeth. At this realization, Michael's knees got weak and he fell sideways against the wall, which gave out again and revealed a tunnel going beneath where the stairs would be. Wanting to distance himself from the bones, he crawled further into the tunnel, trying to get away. He shuffled further and further back, tears streaming down his face. He couldn't believe what he had just seen. Footsteps above his head. They were coming down the stairs. Michael crawled further back into the tunnel as he heard them enter the crawl space. They were coming after him. He shuffled further and further in, trying to distance himself, but they were getting closer and closer. Suddenly, his back hit a wall. He was trapped. He didn't know what to do. He could hear them getting closer and closer, coming down the hallway, whispering kept pushing and kept pushing and he could slowly feel it giving way but they were getting closer and closer they were almost at his feet then it budged 
He fell backwards out, realizing that he had been behind the dryer. He pushed the dryer to the side and ran out the door. He didn't turn around or look, he just booked it all the way to the police station. When he returned with the police, the house and the room were empty. The bones were gone, and there was no sign of anybody there. Although it was obvious someone had been secretly living in their basement, the police were unable to confirm whether Michael's story about the bones or the person chasing him was true. Michael swears by what he saw, but he says that although what happened scared him, nothing scares him more than knowing that whoever was living down in his basement was still out there somewhere. Thank you guys for listening to today's show. If you liked it, let me know. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. Thanks.